0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Welcome everybody to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today I have with me Fred Joyle. He is a total rock star, let me tell you, without a doubt. Strap on your seatbelts. Let's get ready to rock and roll. Fred,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Bridget. Very excited to talk about speaking. Uh, It's one of my passions.
0: Yes, I'm over the moon because seldom do I find people who are really into talking about speaking. Uh, And so to know that that is one of your passions, among other topics, it has me over the moon. So here's the deal. Before we hit record, you and I were talking about how, you know what, we do not believe in starting off presentations with reading these bios and such. Tell me why you insist that a moderator does not read your bio before you take to the
1: stage. Because one, many times they're reading it and it sounds just like somebody's reading something. It doesn't sound like an intro. It doesn't add any energy to the room. It sort of sucks the energy out of the room. You're in a lecture, right? Which is the last thing you want them to feel when they're sitting there. You want them to feel like, here comes a show. Here comes somebody sharing something valuable. I'm going to have an exciting interaction with this person. That's what I want them to feel. So I'll say... Look, you could just say my name and i'll I'll work my bio into my entire lecture if I even feel it's necessary, right? They already in the room, they know I'm speaking to them, so it's like, how about without further ado, let's bring Fred Joyle to the stage, and boom, they go, all right, things are going to be moving, and also you don't burn five minutes of your stage time, which maybe you got. 55 minutes total and and you just lost 5 minutes which to me is an enormous amount of my presentation in an hour. You know, I that's a percentage I don't want to give up.
0: I'm telling you that happened to me at a presentation in DC where the company, a large insurance company was sponsoring my session and I did not know that there were plans for that company representative to take about five minutes. She took about five minutes and I'm sitting there trying to discreetly look at my phone and check the time because I'm like you, five minutes? That is a big chunk of a 60-minute of a presentation. Now, tell us, what do you do in your presentations when you do get on that microphone? What is your secret sauce, Fred, for bringing the energy?
1: What I'm going to do very early on, is I'm going to make them laugh. Now, I'm going to either show a funny video that is appropriate for that audience. I'll, I'll have a lead-in to it, but I, I want them to relax and go, oh, this is actually going to be entertaining, not just didactic. Not I am not going to get lectured to, uh, because sometimes I'll do a six-hour presentation. I'll, I'll have people all day, so I'm every 10 minutes i'm breaking it up with something that just relaxes them and lets them know that it's not going to be classroom the whole time so i, I may have a, a very appropriate a, a joke that is actually a, a store or a story that is funny but really appropriate for the topic and the people there i i do that really early so they And you see them visibly relax when that happens.
0: You really have to find that sweet spot, what fits your personality for getting the audience going. For you, it's starting with something that has a little humor to it. I think for a lot of people that works really, really well. You have to be careful with humor though. Like you said, you have to make sure that it's fitting, it's fitting for the audience, it's fitting for the topic, the occasion, so on and so forth. And then some people just don't have the personality to pull off humor. And so you have to find ways that pull in your audience and set the tone for you. And so maybe it is some, story that draws them in. Maybe it's something interesting that happened to you on the way to the presentation. Whatever. But I love that you believe in starting your presentations in a way that sets the tone for the rest of the 60 90 minutes that you're going to be with them now Fred I was reading before we got on that you have not always been a confident speaker sitting here listening to you right now I, I call hogwash but okay <laughs> tell us how you moved, how you moved from being not so confident to the Fred we see and here today
1: I mean I grew up as a painfully shy person I couldn't ask a girl to dance I couldn't make a phone call I the idea of being on stage was inconceivable to me Um, but I didn't like that about myself there was a a thing inside me that said I want to I want to figure out how to get beyond my underconfidence my shyness it was it, it it really impaired me and I missed a lot of opportunities because of it and I and I saw bold people, and I went like, "Why are they like this? How did they get this way?" And I figured out over way too long how to do it. Uh, but and some of the stuff I did was, you know, uh, acting training, voice coach training. Uh, the most valuable thing was improv comedy uh, because they it really it starts at a nonverbal level. And it works you up and up and up so that you trust your creativity to the point where you can walk on the stage with three or four people with no material and create a scene. So when you have prepared material, it's way easier. You just go like, I, I actually know what I'm going to say ahead of time. It's this is going to be fun. Um And, but you also learned, this is the other thing is people talk about like, how prepared are you? It's like, I am really prepared in terms of my presentation. I have really good slides, really good images, and I know my flow and the whole idea of being that prepared is so I could be spontaneous. I can go in a new direction if I want to. I can see the audience reacting to something and take it in that direction, or I can see them losing interest and go. I-, I need to tell a story right here. I need to. I need to snap them out of this. I need to bring somebody up on stage. I'll. I'll do. I've got a bag of tricks that that are that are all about engagement because I want them leaving there going. I got something out of that. Was great, so.
0: You want to make yourself memorable. Have you ever been in a situation, Fred, where someone walks up to you and that person remembers you, but you're sitting there like, I really can't place this person. And the person gets mad at you, Fred, and you're thinking, don't get mad at me. Be mad at yourself that you did not make yourself memorable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the, t- I, you know, I I have a book about how to uh, cultivate the superpower of boldness and one of the things i talk about is how you make every person you talk to feel like they're the only person in the room and it's it's a it's a it's a gift i've seen people do it and i said what are they doing and i analyzed it and now i do it and that's that makes all the difference when you meet somebody to to drive that home and even when i'm speaking i'm connecting Through the audience, I'm looking directly at people in the audience as I talk. And when you connect with someone, the the rest of the audience feels that connection. Otherwise, you're speaking like a sprinkler, right? Like you're you're moving across the room, and you're not making any connections. You got to stand and deliver your points. You got to connect with the audience. And it's it's nervousness makes you move all around and speak. I've seen people like they, they taste the stage like they're a, they're a lion in a cage, you know, like waiting to get out and that's people react to that nervousness too. And not, not in a good way.
0: Yeah. I I'm telling you, I cannot disagree with a thing that you said. Everybody. Fred Joyle is an entrepreneur who went from painfully shy, as you've heard to being able to speak comfortably speak, I should say, to audiences of 5,000 or more. He just published a book, as he indicated, that offers a systematic way to build your confidence. And it's entitled Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. And I wanna hear about that. He is convinced that anyone can increase their boldness to surprising levels faster than they think possible. And he can teach you how. So Fred, talk to us tell us a little bit about your book and give us one thing that anybody can do right now to increase our boldness.
1: Well, the, the we're talking about speaking in general. So what, what I have, have a five-step process uh, and then exercises to build your boldness, just like I was talking about in the improv. You start at a simple level and you're building your boldness muscle by venturing into your discomfort zone, but not going so far that you freak out, right? And you, and you clam up and you, and you get tongue tied. So you're getting better and better and better at it in a systematic step-by-step way. One of the keys in it is how to relax. And people say, well, you can't just relax yourself. It's like, well, actually, yes, you can, right? (laughs) You know, you can't just say, relax me. Or somebody else says, just relax. You go like, well, how would I do that? Here's how you do it. The first thing you do is you check your physiology. You're like, where am I tensing up? Are my shoulders up? Is my jaw tense? Am I gripping my teeth? Am I, you know, what, what's going on with my posture? And just relax your posture. Just drop your shoulders. We, we're doing all of these things people will even stop breathing. They'll get so relaxed, they'll cut off their own oxygen. How can that be helpful, right? But it's like, a, it is a reaction. It's an, a, it's an autonomic reaction to perceive danger, right? We've, you know, there's no actual danger, but the body doesn't know that. The body says, you, you're acting like it's dangerous. I know what to do. I'll tense up. So you can let that go. And then you can breathe. You, when I go on stage, like if I got a huge audience and I'm I wanna I wanna I wanna have that relaxed, energized feeling, which is a powerful thing, right? This, I'm not nervous. I am I want full energy going on there, but my core has got to be relaxed so that I can tap into all my information and connect with everybody. So I'll breathe. I'll take three or four deep breaths. If there's nobody around that's gonna hear me, I'll actually vibrate my vagus nerve i will go hold it as long as i can i'll do it three times it will physically react your with your nervous system in a way that does relax you and once you start to relax you go oh i can relax so relaxing makes you more relaxed just like being nervous makes you more anxious so that alone as a speaker, to know that you can you just you need 30 seconds backstage or before you go up to you know, I this triggers something with me that I want to say as a speaker too. But but yeah, yeah. you know, this is so important. But get your tech stuff handled so that you're not messing with the monitor and the mic and stuff like that. 10 seconds before you have to run up on stage.
0: I'm telling you, Fred, I preach all the time. First, I want you to go look at the room where you're going to speak at least two hours, at least two hours before your speaking engagement. If you can look at it the day before, even better, but at least two hours beforehand. And I'll explain why in a little bit. And then when it comes to the tech issues, show up, arrange To have someone to show up with you 30 to 45 minutes before your presentation, a tech person who can make sure the clicker is working, the transmission between the laptop and the projector is working, all of that good stuff, because we have all either seen it or we have experienced it where there was a technical glitch. Now, here's my point with that showing up and checking out your room at least two hours before stage time, before show time, or at least the day before, even better. How many times have you gone to a hotel room and the first chance you get to it, your first entrance into the room, you're trying to figure out, okay, where's the light switch, uh, where's the closet, bathroom, everything. Okay, and so you figure it out, you, you get your bearings. And so once you leave your hotel room and you return to it, well, you're, you're relatively comfortable. It's familiar to you the same thing goes for that presentation room if you go in there that first time two hours beforehand okay where am I going to stand where can I move where can I where's the podium the lectern so on and so forth you're checking everything out you're getting the lay of the land so when you go back 30 to 45 minutes before your presentation when you go back well you've been here before Uh, you're familiar and that adds to your confidence in a good way so Fred, you also said something in a previous response that caught my attention. You said, you make sure you are prepared. You have really good slides, really good images, but you kept back going back to the prepare piece so that you're able to go in different directions. You're able to move where the audience leads you. How do you prepare for your presentations?
1: What do you do? I Talk it all through. So, as, there's two things the, the bookends are what matter more than anything. I want to start strong, I want to grab them. And because I'm going to get into stuff and they're going to have to be paying attention, but I got I, I to get them sitting up feeling something unexpected is going to happen. So, I start, I, I work that, I, I'll say that over and over again till I can sing it like a song. And then, how am I going to end? How am I going to finish? And you have to, you have to have a finish. This is—we're getting technical, but speakers need to understand that there's a lot of technical stuff where people mess you up. If, if like all of a sudden they've something has happened in the talk and you're not getting to the finish line the way you want to, um, you need to compress at the end so that your end is right now the whole point of your talk may be i want to sell them my video course and if you run out of time if you spin it out super fast right at the end they don't hear that they're thinking about that it's over so make sure that you when i do that stuff i do that before my finish i have i have got my let's call it my cell is my second to last thing that i'll do and then i am going to end with a single powerful message and we're going to do that even on this podcast right uh, that's i because i want them to, to i want them to have an emotional connection to me at the end so that i will sing like a song as well i it, it may be really short it may be one thought one sentence or it may be one story. If I if I've had them all day, I'm going to end with a, a a long story that ties everything together for them and moves them, and maybe makes them laugh a little bit. But also, they go that I feel that that that's happened to me, or or I I I identify with the person in that story, whatever that is. Uh, but it it drives home in my in my case it drives home the power of boldness, the importance of being bold when it matters most, that you can summon that and do what you want to do, what you maybe need to do. So
0: in a little that's, bit, my, that's
1: my preparation. So.
0: I, yeah, it's spot on. The, the, the beginning and the end, those are the two points where you really have the audience right there in the palm of your hand. Now, you're going to have a chance to ask me a question in a little bit, Fred. I want to build on that boldness piece that keeps coming up in our conversation. Can you really learn to be bold? Aren't people just born that way? Either you are
1: or you're not? I mean, you would think that. But really what's happened is bold people have learned not to stop themselves. They've stopped listening to that voice in their head that tells them what's going to go wrong. Now, underconfident people, shy people, we're great at coming up with the worst case scenario, which is a 1% chance of happening, but that stops us. Bold people don't stop themselves. So what happens is if you start being bold in situations that are lower and lower risk, you actually build new neural pathways that it becomes your reflex to act more confidently because you're you're getting positive feedback and actually your shyness neural pathways your underconfidence those neural pathways will atrophy it's actually a, a a thing that's happening in your brain if you train yourself to to say look i'm going into my discomfort zone for a while here and experiencing it and and what happens is you get rewarded what happened with bold people is they got rewarded early in life and so they went this is how I'm doing stuff. They are never the ones who stop themselves. They wait till somebody else stops them and then they find their way around that too half the time.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I was it, going to it, add
0: that if I was going to add that if you hadn't go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it it can be learned. I what I did is I figured out how I got beyond this and I boiled it down to to some very simple steps I call it's called the pride method because that's an acronym you prepare yourself you relax you have insights you control the dosage of the experience the intensity of moving into your discomfort zone and then the big piece is everyday action do something bold every day whatever the heck it is and my book is full of exercises that m- take you through tiers of boldness, movement into your discomfort zone, building that boldness muscle in a way that, that you can handle in a doses that you can handle. And you control it at your pace, but you could do amazing transformation in 90 days. But you're going to start at something basic as smiling at five people. And the other interesting thing, part of your preparation is you're, you're letting go of the outcome you're you're actually aiming for failure. You go, I'm going to smile at people till somebody doesn't smile back. And then I'm going to and I'm not going to take it personally because you never know what headspace people are in. This could be the worst day of their life. Their their spouse could have just asked for a divorce. They could have just gotten fired. Their blood sugar could have plummeted. You don't know. So why take it on? One of the things I recommend in the book is Make a list of of people whose opinions should matter to you and how much they should matter. Rank them on a scale of one to 10. I'll bet it's less than five people, okay? Maybe six or seven if you've got really good mentors. But the rest of the people, why are you letting what they think about you matter? Bold people don't take that on. So that's, you know, a lot of the book is talking about what adjusting your mindset towards a boldness mindset, and then giving you the systematic way of doing it.
0: Fred, if we were in church, you would have an amen over in this corner. <laughs> I'm yeah. here to tell you. <laughs> okay, I'm turning the microphone around. I am now being interviewed by, by you. What is a question you have for
1: me, Fred? What? Tell me something that went wrong when you were speaking whether it was a, a technological glitch or something like that. And how did, how, what did you do to ride through that, to transform that into a positive? If That's what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> I can probably think of more than one or two, but definitely the first one that comes to mind is a presentation I was doing in the Phoenix area back in, I think it was maybe March of 2018 or 2019. I arrived 30, 45 minutes early, check out the tech, and I'm setting up, and there's this strange duplication of my slides on the projection screen. So I'm like, where's the tech person? We've got to get this fixed. And it's projected. It's a pretty large room. So they have two screens projecting this. So it's double the mess. And it's not bad. It's not incredibly noticeable, but it's noticeable. So I find the tech person. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, we we know. Uh, okay, you know what, you're going to fix it. You know, he says, well, no, we we can't. I mean, we'd have to get a whole nother projector. We don't have one. Hey." Okay. So at this point, Fred, you know how it goes. The show must go on. So I'm doing a presentation on effective presentation skills. So (laughs) I go on, I'm doing the presentation. We're about, it's a 60 minute session. We're about 20, 30 minutes in. And someone finally says to me, "Uh, did you notice there's a small part of your slides that's being duplicated in the projection and she says, she she poses this query so everyone can hear her. So I'm like, oh, well, yes. But I was hoping that you would just kind of ignore it like I'm ignoring it. And so it ended up turning into this teachable moment since we're doing a session on how to give effective presentations. Yeah. So I said, this is a perfect segue for ignore the inconsequential if you can. Don't make it a big part Don't make it an issue. Don't call it out. And then we talked about showing up to the room early and the fact that I have. And what do you do if there's a technical glitch? You just move on and march on and hope that no one notices or points it out. Well, that backfired on me. That worked perfectly. So yeah, we just had a good laugh about it. I just told them I was really hoping that we would just kind of move on through this without anybody saying anything, anything. but uh, so much for that. But it just led into us having a good little discussion about what do you do when things just don't go your way?
1: Yeah, great question. Yeah, well, you, you, you turned it into a lesson. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you an example of what happened to me because you lecture long enough, everything's gonna happen, right? And, and uh, I, I actually was, I, went, I had my clicker and I said, okay, I want you to watch this video and I had two screens up. As I click the video, total power failure in the whole hotel. Now we're in, we're in this beautiful, like gazebo-like room. So it's daytime and there's light streaming in. So it didn't go dark, fortunately, <laughs> like pitch dark, emergency lights and stuff like that. And so I went, I guess this clicker is more powerful than I thought. Uh, and, uh, and then I just, I took a story that I was gonna tell much later and just told it, and, and in 10 minutes, the power comes back on, and, I, and the, the amazing thing was the story worked way better early than it did later, so I had this total win out of it, uh, but I, you just got to roll with it. Sometimes, I mean, talk, I always love to talk about the, the technical side because if you get in there early and you set everything up everything's going to go right. If you get there 10 minutes before, everything's going to go wrong. It won't, the monitor won't find your laptop. The, the, the clicker won't work at that distance because you didn't give yourself any time. It's, it's the nature of things. But one other thing, we were talking about stages. I really want to drive this home because the guy taught me this really long time ago. He walks the stage before whenever it is, maybe the night before the bigger the stage, the more important this is. He paces that whole stage out and says to himself, this is my stage. This is my stage. This is my – it goes corner to corner. And, and as you say, now it's you, – you go on a stage with 5,000 people. There's, there are acres of chairs in that room and, and lights blinding you, right? So never comment on the lights because that's a rookie mistake first of all, right? Um, But you walk out there for the first time, there's a holy crap moment, right? This is a big place and I can't see anybody because that's the thing. You go from being able to see your audience to not being able to see anybody except maybe the people in the front row. And that's, I've seen a lot of speakers have really don't adjust well to that. They need to see their audience. Well, guess what? You do 10,000 people, you can't see them, you know? You're, you're and you're like this. They're looking at you on the monitors half the time. So you got to get your performance has got to get bigger for them. So I I went on that just because it's you know the the technical stuff it always gets to me. And and whatever goes wrong, you roll with it. You use the audience if you have to. You it's but even if you say something wrong, I love this. I I tell people who speak all the time this. I say like. Look, I have a friend of mine. She's always mispronouncing words, right? And I said, this is beautiful. I said, when you can't pronounce it, try it twice and then say, could somebody say this word for me? Somebody in the audience is going to shout it out, if not 10 people, right? And she goes, yes, thank you. That's how you say that word. (laughs) And totally, you own the audience at that point because you've completely humanized yourself. You are, they go, Oh, she's just one of us, right? She's a human being. She struggles. She has, I mess up words. I have met, you know, like uh, I'll even hit places like I'm in, I'll I'll go on a sidebar that somebody distracted me on and I'll answer a question and then I'll be talking. I'll go like, all right, where the heck was I? Somebody in the audience knows, right? And they'll and and they love that. They go like, if you were talking about the dog with the thing, and I'll go, oh, great, thank you. And away I go. The
0: audience is your friend. They are, it's really nothing to be afraid of and they will help you out. I love the story about the friend mispronouncing words. I am going to use that for sure. (laughs) Now, three things for listeners before I ask my last question of Fred. The first thing is you must go over to his website, fredjoyle.com and it's the correct spelling is in the show notes. Go over to his website and get your access to the first chapter of his book, Super Bold from Underconfident to charismatic in 90 days. That's the first thing I want you to do. The second thing I want you to do is after you get that first chapter and you see how blazing hot it is, go buy the full book, okay? <laughs> it is available It is available at all of your major retailers where you love to buy your books. And then the third request I have of you, if you're loving what you're hearing from Fred, you're loving his passion and his take on boldness and confidence, I need you to book Fred to speak. So visit his website once again, fredjoyo.com. Get in touch with Fred and his team and get him at your next event. So those three things, get that chapter, get that book, get Fred on your microphone. Last question, Fred, what else do listeners need to know in order to make sure they're showing up boldly and that they're not just owning the microphone but owning life
1: the simplest message that I try to give my audiences uh, when I'm talking about boldness is tell yourself this I belong everywhere wherever you are you belong there just own that belief own that space if you say if you're in front of 500 people or 20 people say, I belong in front of these people. If you're walking into a a group of complete strangers that you don't know, half of them are billionaires. You just say, I belong here because we're all just people. And you you have something unique to bring. As a speaker, you want to own that ability to bring that, that full value to your audience. And you start by saying, I belong in front of you. Mm -hmm.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Fred Joyle. thank you for your incredible insights.
1: Thank you, Bridget, for giving, giving me a chance to to share some of my speaker experiences and, and keynote tools that I've picked up because I, you know, this you you gotta if you want to succeed in life, you gotta be good in front of people. You gotta be good at projecting your ideas, grabbing an audience and being understood. This this is a life skill.
0: It is. It it just bodes well no matter where you are, what you do, what industry you're in, even if you don't make presentations on a regular basis, just honing that speaking skill and making everything you say a presentation it doesn't matter where you go or to whom you are speaking but make it a presentation and telling yourself i belong here i absolutely am in love with that one again thank you for tuning in fred thank you everybody until next time make sure you always own the microphone